whiskey. Welcome to the Whiskey Underground. Welcome to the BSEA Whiskey Underground. We are here tonight in the secret speakeasy to relax and enjoy some of the finest man-made creations on earth, whiskey. Brent. What's happening, Scott? It's March. Spring is arriving, sort of. <laughs> it's uh, it's time to head back down and drink some whiskey, man. Hell yeah. I'm uh, I'm ready to get, to get with it. Weather's good right now, but hot weather's on the on the horizon for Louisiana. So so we uh we, you know we haven't had a guest in a hot minute since Chris broke his way into the speakeasy. Uh but join us tonight uh for the first time down here is uh Mr. Matt Holmes. Matt, welcome. Hey, hello everyone. Thank you for welcoming me into the speakeasy. It's pretty nice down here. It is. It we finally we finally got rid of that possum. <laughs> No more broken bottles. Yeah. Right? Yeah, none of that. Uh, so Matt has come down because he actually brought with him a bottle of whiskey. You know, we, we often love to have people down here. We love it even more when they bring whiskey with them because that's the best part about sharing is sharing stuff with other people. So tonight we're going to do a little short pour with, uh, with some Bond talk because it's still James Bond quarter. That's a whole three months of Bond that I can uh, sit and love every single day. So... Tonight, Matt, what'd you bring down? Tonight, I brought the, um, it's a Maker's Mark 46. So this is a, this is an interesting one. And then the, the reason we just, you know, Matt brought this down and we've actually got a Bond episode to go with it. We're going to be talking about the top five, our top five gadgets from Q Branch. Because this is kind of a gadget whiskey. Uh, as we, as we pour a little bit of it out here. Um, so just so I know, is this... Is this a store pick, or this is just the? Is this just the off the shelf? This was off the shelf. Um, it was. Well, yeah, it was just off the shelf. And I've, I honestly, I've never had any of the makers. I've, I've never even tried makers, and uh, along with that, I, I have, I had, I picked up a little regular makers to kind of do a side by side comparison. So, so Maker's 46 is, um, it, it starts off a standard Maker's Mark, just the regular old Maker's Mark that, that you got there uh, back at home, uh, Matt. It's a weeded bourbon made in batches of usually less than 1,000 gallons. And then for Maker's 46, what they do is they take heavily seared French oak staves. And then they take these staves and then put them inside a just emptied standard Maker's Mark barrel. And then that gets refilled with standard Maker's Mark, and then it goes back to the warehouse to finish aging for, you know, two, three, four, five months. It, it all depends on till they get that flavor they really like. So, 
it's kind of a gadget whiskey is they actually stick wood inside a barrel. And the reason they call it Maker's 46 is because it took them 46 different experimental uh, prototypes with this barrel, you know, the number of staves, the type of stave, the, uh, the char of it, to get the real flavor that they wanted. So it um, okay. should be pretty interesting. That's why we kind of decided to tie it into Q Branch because it's, it's kind of a uh, experimental whiskey, a wood experiment that they've, they've decided to do. Well, there you go. Yeah, so pretty cool. It says it was released in, 19, in 2010. And it was the first new major exp- expression to be created by Maker's, Maker's Mark, which Maker's Mark's been um, in production since 1953. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, wow. So Maker's Mark Distillery since our original bourbon went to production in 1953. So first expression since 1953. Um, and then, of course, Maker's Mark, I'm pretty sure, was a Beam Centauri created. Still is. Well, Beam... beam but it was created, I guess, by the Beam family. So it says the wood finishing experiments were largely intact by Bill Samuels Jr. So this was been 2010, whenever they did the uh, 46. Yeah, I don't know who released. Well, let's let's see now. now well, it's still now, a Beam Centauri product. Uh, yeah. But it's they've now got their own distillery at Maker's Mark. Um, it's a pretty standard weeded mash bill: 70% corn, 16% wheat. So pretty high wheat. And then actually a really high amount of malted barley for uh, a bourbon, which is 14%. So that should give it some good, you know, good ethanol notes. What's the what's the proof on this? Uh, let's see. This is, it's a 94 proof. So it's, it's, it's kind of low, 47%. Yeah. That's not terrible. That's a decent bourbon note. It's a... Uh, it's a lot of sweet. I, when I when I put when it's in the glass, I smell a lot of sweet. Yeah. Um, all right, Brand, dig in there. What, tell, tell me what you get on the nose here. It is sweet. I mean, vanilla. It's got. I mean, toasted oak, like toasted kind of marshmallow. Yeah. There's like a cinnamon bun. I'll be honest with you. I have my nose is not trained well enough to, to pick out a lot of these flavors. To me, this smells like a kitchen on a Sunday morning. You know, fresh baked cinnamon bun. Okay. Icing. You do get a sweet, sweet frosting or icing note to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like a, like a vanilla. I mean, obviously there's vanilla. Yeah. But, but yeah, there's just it's some other, other kind of vanilla. It definitely kind of has that caramel, like you said, kind of a breakfast pastry. Yeah. Disc. Maybe like a pudding or something. Yeah, it's definitely mm. got like like fresh baked pastries. Um, there's a little bit of like toffee, just a slight amount of toffee, and that's probably the malted barley coming okay. out. Okay. But not not heavy on that. It's not like a real. Mm butterscotch or you know treacle but man the vanilla and the caramel and cinnamon very prevalent on this one hey so quick just back up on the uh the history um totally not what we were thinking so uh a guy named bill samuel senior purchased the burks distillery in uh 53 
and begin mm-hmm. the produ- begin the production of Maker's Mark. Um, owned it all the way through um, '81. It was sold to Hiram Walker and Son, who was then um, acquired by Beam um, Suntory. Well, by Pernod Ricard, and then right. Pernod Ricard was sold to Fortune Brands, and then Fortune Brands split in 2011 and became Beam Inc. And then Beam became Beam Centauri in 2014. So that's how it's with uh, Beam Centauri, but it was definitely an original original brand created in 1953 uh, by Bill Samuel. And it says it was like a hun- family's like 170-year-old recipe mm. or something like that. So um, so it does have some history uh, as being a stand- standalone, I guess, I've only known it as a Beam Centauri product, but it certainly has more history uh, history than that. When were they bought out by Hiram Walker? 81. Okay, that's like Canadian Club and uh, the uh, <clears throat> uh, those like uh, mixers, like Blue Curacao. They yeah, do a lot of they those. do a ton, okay. ton of that stuff okay. now, yeah. A ton of peach snops and yep, all peach that. Yep, Cordials, if you, yeah. if you melon, will. Melon liqueur. Melons, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basic, basically, grown up high C uh, ecto cool. <laughs> oh god, high C um, ecto cooler. This is not bad. I, honestly, on the nose, I actually really do like this nose. I've never actually had a maker's product until today, Matt. Yeah, no, I haven't either. And this is, is Wait, my first. Really, really, I've never thought to pick up Maker's Mark. Uh, I just. Uh, and again, maybe it, it's because it's gotten a lot of bad press since 2012 that when Beam Suntory kind of took it over and they started proofing down a little bit. But this is a nice, this is a nice palette or a nice nose. Yeah, no, I like the nose. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, for, I mean, this is, this is the powerhouse weeded whiskey when you can't find Weller. I mean, everybody wants the Wellers and Pappies of the world, but I mean, this is, yeah. The one that you can get on the shelf pretty much every See, and, I, and I've every never day. thought to go pick it up. Like I'll go pick up Rebel Yell if I want a weeded whiskey, or Larceny if I want a weeded whiskey. But and this is right up there. It's usually thirty-five to forty dollars for a full bottle of uh, Maker's Mark, thirty-five bucks. And then right. I think this one comes in around forty, forty-five. This was yeah. This was forty. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't have the. I don't uh, remember. I it's, it I, was about 44, 45. I pray to God it's yeah. forty six. Make it forty six. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, I, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll tie this into uh, our show subject. This was come out in nineteen fifty three, the same year that Ian Fleming's Casino Royale book. Oh, his was first released. book. Yeah. Thank you. The year so, he retired to Jamaica and started writing uh, at the Golden Eye Estate. At the Golden Eye, yeah. Did I ever tell you guys I got to visit the Golden Eye State on my honeymoon? How'd you sneak away for that? We stayed, uh, well, I took my wife with me because we stayed <laughs> on the beach next to us. And so on that same beach is uh, his estate and there's the private beach where Ursula Andrews comes out of the water and does her old thing. So I made my wife go get in the water and walk out. <laughs> <laughs> she wearing a white bikini. She most a, certainly a, was. A, a knife on her belt. No knife on her belt. <laughs> She might have pulled it on me at the time, but right. <laughs> um, uh. Excellent nose, excellent nose. Yeah. Uh, let's get into this. Let's drink some. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna talk some bond. Let's drink some whiskey. All right, I'm gonna take a drink to warm up my palate to this. 
Not Man. bad on the first day, first taste. I'm gonna go in for a second. Man, you know it's so. It tastes like wood, not like char or no. oak or toast. Like on the palate, it literally tastes like I licked a piece of wood. It's very really? woody. Yeah, it's I, very yeah. woody. I don't know. It tastes like wood. Um, Which I mean, obviously, there's wood in a wood barrel, and then it's wood yeah. sta- stays inside of it. I mean, it's kind of so. I was going to say, too, y'all said y'all have never tasted a Maker's Mark product. Mm-hmm. I've had both Maker's and Maker's 40, 46 before. The last time mm-hmm. I drank Maker's 46, um, the guys in my band polished off an entire bottle in a set oh, one nice. time. You, you yeah. could. It's, it's very so, drinkable. It is extremely it is extremely drinkable. But I can tell you, I had it. I mean, I'm, I'm tasting This is the first drink of the night, fresh palate. Mm-hmm. Um, so... It's definitely hitting my tongue, and I mean, I may taste it again. That was just kind of a palate awakening, Scott. But it has—it's got a creamy something, you know, on the back, the back so end. So that's a lot to do with it being weeded. Um, it's wheat's kind of softer, creamier, for sure. So yeah, yeah. you're the you're, what you're tasting is that that softer finish. And I, I, it's not—it's not harsh at all. I definitely get that. Okay. I've had about four little sips of this to kind of like move everything around. It is oak. There is heavy oak. It doesn't taste like... It's not like charred oak like the Old Forester's 1910 or the Woodford Double Oak. This is more of like dry oak. It, it honestly smells like being in a lumber yard. Or tastes like being in a lumber yard. Okay. On that, as you move through it, it, it does have a nice, creamy, buttery palate. And then in the background, you get these really interesting nuances of cinnamon and fresh baked wheat bread. It's not as deep as the nose, but still very, very enjoyable. But yeah, Brent, there is a lot of like. I don't care. Dry, I mean, dry wood. It tastes like dry wood. I've never I mean, eaten I, dry I, wood. I don't. I've not made a point to ever lick a piece of dry wood. But. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> get a lot of yeah. Get a lot of splinters. Well, I just. I mean, I guess what I, I get out of it is just. I know. I remember when a kid. When I was a kid, either. You know, my dad, for some reason or another, cutting a tree down, or like if we were going to our hunting camp and cutting trails, and that just fresh green, you know, sawdust in the air kind of, kind of smell. Like it just, you, if you, if you, if you cut a tree and you, you know, lick the freshly cut trunk, you kind of have an idea of what it's going to taste like. Uh, just from smelling the aroma, that fresh green, right. you know, kind of oak, or um, and it really kind of oak, because I mean, pine smells a different way. I mean, different, you know, uh, different I timber. The, yeah, I love the smell of fresh cut pine. But different timber smells a different way. But it's oak. Yeah, you know, oak particularly kind of has that that smell. Really rich. It's like a rich woody smell, like a forest smell. Um. Matt, what do you what do you get? What do you get here? What do you think? 
like I said, this is, I'm I've only been into whiskey for uh, <clears throat> two or three years since I actually met you guys. Yeah, we have that influence on people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I am I am very new at knowing to how to what what to pick out and. Actually, would... actually, the person you need to really blame is Brant because I was I liked whiskey and I had a few bottles here and there, but I was not like this until this guy comes along and says, "Hey, let's do some stuff. Let's try this. You got to try this. You got to try that. You got to try that." And this is all what happened. This I know. Is well, I think the, the thing is, I, sh- I shared some whiskeys with you. Like I sent you a care, pa- a care package, and now I can't fucking keep up. My desk is like filled with little like <laughs> tiny vials of, of shit. I'm like Scott, quit sending shit. That's not what you say. No, I don't say that. You're right. <laughs> but I couldn't tell you what you know what I have in this room of in tiny vials. I, there's easily 50 vials. Oh, yeah, yeah, we have a that. lot of I tiny probably have vials get through. 100 tiny vials of, of whiskey floating around here in some, um, some way. All right, Brent, what do, you, but, what do you think of this finish here? Um, well, let's say overall palate, though, um, <coughs> extremely easy to consume. I, so yeah. I, I, I told myself I was only going to drink half of it, and I poured no. half of it in a glass, and, and I boom, that first half was gone like... Like nothing, and I already already put the second half in my glass. So, super, super, super easy to drink, and I think that um, is a testament of being a, you know a weeded bourbon. I am just a weeded bourbon fan, and Matt, you know, like I said, no, you, you're saying palate's kind of, you know, your palate's kind of young, untrained. But the first thing you said about it being kind of having being softer or um, sweet, light, easy to drink, I and mean, that's kind of all what what weeded bourbons do compared to a rye so this has got no rye in it it's a 70% corn mash bill 16% wheat 14% malted barley which Scott that's an insanely high percent of malted barley for a bourbon it um, is it really um, is so 14% is high I mean most of them are just 5 to 8 to maybe 10 just for fermentation um, and like we said before all whiskey has to have malted barley in it for fermentation or else it's got to have a store-bought enzyme like your Hudson's that are 100% corn and stuff like that. But most of them only have the bare minimum of malted barley for fermentation, but this one's 14%, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Also saying that these are around six years aged. That's about right, because Makers is usually four to five, four to six, and then this gets an extra couple months you know four or five months <clears throat> all right i'm gonna do i'm gonna uh get a little bit of the regular all right yeah tell us your tell us what you think of the two difference i don't have regular makers in here yeah i don't, I don't think we have any makers right now so otherwise, Matt, I would have drank some. Matt, Matt snuck that in his boot, his boot I, sock. I, I did. Boot this, sock. Is a, this is one of those small ones that I was able to yeah. sneak in, in there. Nice uh, screw cap too. So plastic screw cap. Yeah. In your boot, in your boot hill. I man, I do not like that. The regular Maker's bottle, that big squatty fat sucker, like it takes up too much room. You can't yeah. you can't stash it easily in something. Um, it is a weird bottle. Yeah, it, it's too wide and, and square. So like a regular one is massive. A one point seven five is like 
insane. It takes up like your whole pantry. I will like say, big... I will say that between you know, both bean products, between Knob Creek and Maker's Mark, at least one of them has their wax shit down. Well, I think Maker's perfected that shit. Oh, yeah, they yeah. did. You pull it, the little tab and just it comes right off. It seals up perfectly. It, it doesn't crack and go everywhere. Knob Creek has the worst wax ever. And I was just going to say, like, Knob, that the, you get your knife in there and it just flakes everywhere. I, I don't know. Everywhere. H- Hudson has pretty shitty oh, yeah. wax, too. Yeah, they do. Hudson's <laughs> yes, got really, do. really bad wax. But um, All right, Matt, what do you what do you think between these two? As we, as we, we'll, we'll save the finish for a little bit later uh, so we can talk about some Bond, but give me, the, give me some notes between the two. Comparisons right now, the... The nose on the 46 is so much more predominant than the regular. I don't. I hardly get anything compared the, to the 46. Like no oak, it's just flat. Compared to the 46, it's very flat. Yes. What's the standard Maker's Mark uh, proof? It's 45%. So you're at 90. <coughs> Yeah, I mean this one has a great nose. I, I, it really does. Yeah, I go in for a taste on the on the regular, and it's just it leaves it leaves everything. It, it needs everything to be desired compared to forty six. There's so much more flavor, and you know just whatever you know that the all those what was it again the sherry no the French oak staves. It's just something about that whatever is in that that. Barrel. One of the weird things that, that Maker's Mark does with their regular uh, Maker's Mark is they actually rotate the barrels. The barrels are actually on a rotating basis, so they spend time on the on the top, middle, mm-hmm. bottom, uh, front of the warehouse, back of the warehouse. They they rotate those throughout the six years that they're aging it. So Pretty does that does that not happen at all in all Rick houses? No, very rarely does that happen because if really? you ever. Have you ever tried to move a 53-gallon whiskey barrel? No, I... I <laughs> full. <laughs> it is heavy. So before we get to the finishing notes on this, let's talk a little, little James Bond here. Um, and that way we also get our palate a chance to adjust to the finish because it, it's not a bad finish. I'm not going to spoil it, but not a bad finish. But let's talk about the top five Q gadgets. Now, over 25 Bond films have... Well, at this point, 25 Bond films have been made. But through the first 24, Brant, guess how many gadgets he's used over those 24 films? Uh, 97. Now, is this actually used gadgets or... Any gadget that's either been shown on, on the film okay. or he's actually used. And then what constitutes a gadget? Any time uh-huh. he flips a switch and something pops out. Okay. I have no idea. Tell me. You could, you could probably take... At you, you, on average, because when he goes through, when he goes through Q Branch, they show off a few things just in the background. Uh, you could probably average four just in the background, plus the one that main one that he uses, main one or two that he uses. So you're saying five or six each film. Am I close? You're I closer. Said, <laughs> I said ninety-seven. So you're saying five or six a film. You're talking hundred and. 30. You're closer. I'll, I'll give you that. 192. Oh, man. 
That's not 192 gadgets have been featured throughout the films, either in the background or that Bond is, is taken out at some point and used during the film. A lot of stuff. That ain't close. No. It's, uh, it's, it's a lot of stuff, but to narrow down top five, I think it's I think it was a little easier than I first thought. I've got a, I mean, we'll, we could talk honorable mentions all day long, but let's go through our top five. I'm sure we'll have some crossovers. If not, maybe we get, you know, nine, ten in the, uh, between the between the three of us. So, uh, Matt, since you're our guest, why don't you start with your number five? <clears throat> number five, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of an unsung, uh, it, it's, it's popped up, um, well, it was used quite prominently in the film that it was, um, uh, that it was featured in, and it, and it popped up later on in the, oh, what year was that? Anyway, we'll get to it. Um, mine is, uh, the boot knife. Oh, from Russia with Love. The one that Colonel Kleb uses to... To, well, and then the first use of that was chess player when he got called into Spectre to to meeting and you know the the, the the big henchman guy clicks the clicks the knife and kicks him in the shin. Spectre, I, I don't know, is that supposed to be? That's not supposed to be um, Blofeld. My number five, the boot knife, which actually made it, it came back during. Um, One of the Brosnan films. I the think. Brosnan. It was. Oh, uh, the Die the, Another Day. Yeah, that one wasn't very good. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, so in Die Another Day, he kind of goes into this underground layer, uh, an old tube station that that's no longer used, and there's a, a ton of old gadgets. Like you could literally take this, I don't know, five minute scene, and pause it, scan the walls. You see the crocodile from. Yes. Uh, uh, from Octopussy that Octopussy. Roger Moore hides in, you see little Nelly, uh, the jet, uh, the little mini fighter jet that he uses. It's it's pretty cool, very cool. But yeah, the the boot knife, the shoe knife that yes that, that woman wears. Uh, very nice. All right, Brent, what about you? Um, so I remember some things about the movies and most of these most of them were were gadgets kind of growing up I can remember watching with my dad and seeing certain things and we'll get into a couple like little small things that I remember but the one thing that is definitely a gadget favorite of mine um, and I'm classifying it as as a gadget because we're not doing a show on this particular category so it falls into gadget for me um, but it's the Walther PPK just oh yeah Walther PPK gun okay. I mean okay that's not That's on my list. Not necessarily a gadget, but um, it's something. It's I something mean, two branch sure. gives them, right? And then that that single handedly made me want to have a PPK. Um, but then when I actually got to shoot a PPK and handle it, I, I didn't think it was the best thing. So I ended up buying a six hour six hour version, which it was the two three two P two three two, which was a six hour made version of the PPK, um, right. which. It's still in my family today. It's kind of passed to my brother, but that gun was um, awesome, and it was literally just because it was a James Bond gun based, yeah. based off of that PPK. It actually, so I, re- it actually replaced the Beretta that, according to him, jammed up on him on during one mission, and so mm-hmm. they gave him the Walther, and uh, he he didn't he he took it reluctantly. So throughout the entire novel, Bond uses a Beretta. Mm-hmm. He does not use a Walther. I don't know where. 
I don't know how it comes into play in through you know in the movies. I don't know if they paid for placement. It's marketing. Uh, yep. Well, I don't know if they did. Well, they might have because May, maybe not. Maybe not. But so it says Bond's classic gun, the Walter PPK, was introduced in Doctor No when 007's Beretta was replaced by Major Boothroyd. The armor of the secret armor of the Secret Service after a nasty incident when it jammed. Ever since it became a legendary weapon of the Secret Service, it's small size and fly design make it ideal for concealment, which is why I got it. And it's a 7.65 millimeter, uh, which is a 308 um, American caliber 308. Um, and with actually no. 7.65 is small is smaller, so it must be. It's a 20. It's a 23, isn't it? Yeah, it must be smaller because a nine millimeter would be a 308. Um, yeah, would be 308. But the American sold version or the modern version is, is just caliber in 308. Six round magazine um, introduced in the early 30s. Yeah, it was it was a pistol for German criminal police undercover de- yep. detectives. So I actually have, uh, you know, I'll talk about it now. My my number four is the Walther PPK. It is it is what makes James Bond James Bond. It's a great. It, it's just the thing that makes him who he is. It, you know, it's an iconic gun, and I really wanted to talk about the one from Skyfall because very interesting. It's got this awesome gadget that Q, the new Q, Ben Winshaw brings him, and it's it's coated, it's yes. coated to his palm. So only he can fire it. And there's a couple of moments in the film. And actually, this is the only gun, the only PPK that actually never gets fired throughout the entire film. He doesn't use this gun later on because, if you guys recall, when he's in Macau... He loses it in the uh, Komodo in the Dragon Komodo, pit. Yeah. So. Which the other guy was going to use it, but it, it it's one of those, uh, 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 you know, he, we're going to show you this one thing. That's going to come back later, you and know, kind of that kind of that Chekhov's gun thing, where it's like, hey, you know, this is coded to your hand. It's going to come, going to make a point later. So the guy picks it up and yeah. tries to shoot it, and it doesn't. So I love. There's two reactions I really love that that Daniel Craig has to this. He's in the car in Shanghai waiting for uh, Patrice to kind of show up, and he takes it out and he looks at it and it lights up green when it goes to his palm. He's like, oh, that's pretty clever. And then in the Komodo dragon pit, the guy picks it up and he's ready to fire it and it turns red and he's like, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I love that scene. And then the Komodo dragon bites the guy's leg and drags him into the pit. Yep. Great gun. Great gun. All right. So was that your, what was your five? Did you say your that was five my number stuff? four? That was my number four. My number five. I'm going to also join you, Matt, in from Russia with love, the briefcase. So this is the first introduction Wait, we have okay. to Q. Q first shows up in From Russia With Love, and, and by Q I mean Desmond Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. He was Q from From Russia With Love all the way to World Is Not Enough, yes. and unfortunately, he passed away in a car accident uh, just after filming. Yes, has probably the greatest last line of anyone's career. Never it's, see the no, uh, always have an escape plan. And yep, always have an line. escape plan. So yeah. the briefcase Q brings it in. It's this you know. Regular size attaché, but it's got a bottle of talcum powder that magnetizes, and when you try to open the briefcase the wrong way, it's tear gas. 
It's got a folding AR-7 rifle with uh, 25 uh, ammunition bullets and uh, 25 rounds of ammunition in the sides. It's got uh, a throwing knife, and then it also, just in case you need a little cash, it's got 50 gold sovereigns. So very, cl I mean, this is a classic spy's briefcase. It's got hidden compartments left and right, you know, things popping out of it. Uh, it saves, it saves every, his life. Everything is used. In, in the, the movie, film. yes. They use the they use the rifle to shoot the guy coming out of the of the out of the uh, the board the billboard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they use, he uses the gold sovereigns to bribe um, Quint. Quint, <laughs> yep. <laughs> From Jaws. And then he, and then he uses he uses the knife to uh, stop uh, uh, the Russian killer along with the. Uh, uh, the tear gas when they're in mm -hmm. the train. Yeah, all those are used. Yeah. So yeah, great, great gadget. All right, Matt, you're number four. Number four, I'm gonna go with. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cars that are out there. Now mine, mine's gonna be a specific kind of car, which I guess you could say cars in general could be a gadget. You have the yeah, and I and I think I don't know, Brant. I don't know if you went to cars. I kind of stayed away from it because we did a whole cars episode. I didn't. But I didn't. But I went. I went with um, from the spy who loved me, and I went with the submarine Lotus. Esprit. Oh yeah, yeah. We I think we all loved that one. That one in, as a kid. In our car list. That one was just the one that you're like, oh man, you've got you've got a hot spy girl and in, in there that she knows more about it than you do and <laughs> yeah yeah we had a we had a, we we gushed on that car during the uh during the car list when we did with chris again you know you know wet nelly great car it, it, it is so futuristic it is uh this stark white car and then it turns into a submarine if it wasn't such a bad actual engine with the lotus yeah. esprit right might have actually sold, but it was a horrible engine, and they really did that to kind of uh, rival the DeLorean at the time. It just did not work out for Lotus. Nearly bank that car actually nearly bankrupted them. All right, Brent, what about you? Number four. Um, so number four for me, I remember seeing the uh, the acid-filled Montblanc pin, um, which he used to escape. A jail, a jail cell. If I, if well, I it wasn't. So I remember seeing that scene. Was it a jail cell? It wasn't a jail cell per se. It was. So this is an octopusy. Yeah. And he's on this floating island with thirty or forty women, and just this one guy. I forget the the bad guy's name in this, but it's the bad guy, and then he's got his like concubine. Now, now, now this wasn't in. Was it on the island or was yeah. it there? Because uh, Louis Jardin was the actor. I don't know. Yes. If, um, it was whenever they captured him on the island. Yeah, no, it wasn't on the island. Was it? No, it wasn't. It was an octopus's island. I thought it was. No, because that's where he uses the crocodile to get to the island. Oh, that's right. That's this right. This was whenever they they captured him, and that's where he he was made to. Uh, they, uh, I, yeah, I can't think of the the character's name, but Louis Jardin. He he yeah. eats the he eats the eyeball out of the uh, the sheep's head. Mm -hmm. That was where, and then you know, the next morning, uh, well, he uses the pen to escape to get out of the room, um, 
because Colonel the the they were doing the the diamond deal, the uh, fake diamond fake jewels, and the one had the the Fabergé egg had the yes. little transmitter inside of it. Yes, which corresponded with his wrist, wristwatch. Right. And he was he was trying to find to listen. His Seiko, the Seiko wristwatch. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, was it Seiko or Casio? Seiko. They used Se- yeah, this was Seiko at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that scene, that scene growing up, and that pin, and then, mm-hmm. I mean, also who doesn't? I mean, now Mont Blanc pins are like, I don't know. Uh, kind of something that, oh. that everyone wants but it's ridiculous to have an ink pen that you know how many ink pens I've gone through in my la- in my career to have an ink pen that's that expensive so I, I have a quick story I'll tell about Mont Blanc pens I actually own one a Meisterstruck uh, I got it from my father-in-law when I passed the bar it was his gift to me and I lost it for about four months and I was freaking out and I I don't know how it, it's it's always on my desk. It goes in a special pen holder on my desk, and I go to wear a pair of jeans one day, and I'm like, "What the hell is in my back pocket?" And I reach in my back pocket, and my pen is in there, and I'm like, "This pen. I haven't worn these jeans in six months, but this pen has been gone since like June. I don't know how I just found it." That's awesome. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, when I when I looked up the price of what it was, I was like, <gasps> "Oh yeah." <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't don't lose your Mont Blanc pen. No. Yeah, they are happy uh, of those pens. Very proud. Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful pen, though. Yeah. So yeah, that's a that, that was a cool one. All right. Uh, my number four was all uh, as we talked about the Walter PPK. So, uh, Matt, number three. Uh, my number three, I'm gonna go with uh, from. You only live twice. And this is where they bring Desmond Llewellyn into the field to bring little Nelly. Okay, that's number three for me, too. So let's talk about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the <laughs> You've got the nearly stop motion to where they, on in the film, where they, they're putting oh, it together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the putting together part of this is, is awful. So this is a... Um, by the way, this is an actual... Uh, actual vehicle that was developed by the British yes. Air Force, or by the Royal Air Force, uh, Ken Wallace. So the actual name of this is the Wallace WA-116 Agile. They did uh, kind of brand it for the Bond movie as Little Nelly. It comes in like what? It was like six briefcases, six big suitcases. Right. They undo these things and all of a sudden it's like stop motion animation putting this thing together. Um... It's pretty cool. It actually, it's got a maximum speed of 100 miles an hour. Uh, the fuel range is about 130 miles. And, and he burns through that fuel. Uh, he, he burns through all of that fuel flying over those volcanoes, too. Yeah. Uh, it can actually go up to up to uh, 10,000 feet. So it's got a pretty high mm-hmm. service ceiling and actually a pretty decent maximum speed for a light one-seat aircraft. It's basically like a mini-copter. I'm looking at pictures of it now. That's pretty crazy. So this yeah. thing, this thing existed in real life. Oh yes, yeah, it was. Well, used. And, and then you know, obviously, it did not have uh, air-to-air missiles and you no. know, fire yeah, machine out the back end. <laughs> it was more of like a surveillance uh, 
craft and uh, research and. Uh, but being being open cockpit, being a single open cockpit, that that's nuts. That is yeah. just he that that dude's head is. 24 inches from that blade? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty close to those rotors. Yeah, I mean, just the draft, not only the draft, but like, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's th- there are some that are still in existence today. Um, in fact, uh, uh, what's his name? Ken Wallace actually still owns one today. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was also my number three. So, Brent, what's your number three? Um, so this one's kind of this one's kind of weird, but I remember the scene um, where he James Bond is portraying somebody else, and he like grabs the glass, and the, the lady like takes it, brings it to the back, and like checks his fingerprints, and he's wearing yes. like latex. Diamonds are forever. Latex. Latex fingerprints from uh, yep. that they manufactured these fingerprints and put it on him, so he's checks out to be whatever. Peter Frank. What. He was Peter Franks. So yeah, I just remember yeah. the latex fingerprints on the glass. Yeah. They check out, and it was like somebody else, not his, not his. And I thought when I was little, I remember thinking that was the coolest shit. What's What's amazing is that I, I don't know if Bond had anticipated this happening, but. He, she makes him his drink. He grabs it, and then, or and then she like brings it back to the the other room, and sprays it with the you know whatever, and like checks him out. And he's like, he looks, he smells it, and he's like, I knew you were gonna do that. <laughs> he just he you know looks at it, yeah. And then later on, he actually calls Q while he's peeling it off of his thumb. He's like, it's a great little invention. Yeah, nice job there. <laughs> um, all right. Okay, so, uh, Matt, you're number two. We're getting in the top two here. All right, number two. This is where I'm going to cheat a little bit. Oh, boy. I'm going to go with all of the watches. Oh. <laughs> all of you, the watches. All of the watches. You go Submariner all the way to, you know, like Brant said, the... Uh, Seikos. Seikos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm going to cheat a little bit, just because a watch is, you know, it, it they, they do everything that you want them to do. It's it's a laser. It's a saw. It's a, you know, what a, a highly intensified magnet. It's it does it, you know, attracts something. It, it they do it does everything. I do like the magnetic one, Brent. You know what? We were I was editing the. <clears throat> Uh, the watch episode, and I realized we said that the Rolexes were never really a gadget watch, but Live and Let Die's Ro- Rolex was the only one with actual gadgets inside of it. That was the circular saw in the bezel, mm-hmm. and then the magnet on the uh, when yeah. it turns it, it turns into a magnet. And, and I guess so that you, was, I, I guess with that you can you, you turn that bezel and it specifically grabs that one little. You know uh, the, the bullet thing. It, it explode. Uh, you know the yeah. whatever that's called. It was like an air compressed bullet thing. Yes. Shoved in uh, Kananga's mouth and blew him up. Kananga balloon. Kananga balloon. Yeah. Popped him on the ceiling of that cave. <laughs> also, you can visit those caves if you go to Jamaica. 
All right, Brent, what's your number two? Well, this is kind of where I ran out and then just defaulted to Daniel Craig era stuff that I uh, that I remember. remember? So, the, so these aren't really really great, but I do um, love me some Casino Royale and no, definitely they're all great. Yeah, I lo- I, yeah. But definitely love. I just love the scene. Not really a gadget, but I love the scene where he uh, runs out to the, the Aston Martin and has the defibrillator and everything he needs that he doesn't even know is there in the glove in the glove compartment. Um, but he, well, I guess you're not told it's there, but I guess instinctively he knows this is where to go. It's probably to standard like, issue on to one like, of those cars. Yeah, to like save my life is just go to the glove box and whatever the hell I need is going to be. So there's a defibrillator, but wasn't there also wasn't there an antidote or, or something in there? Yeah, it was. It was like epinephrine. Yeah, no, that was a that honestly in a, in the movies really the Daniel Craig movies don't have a lot of gadgets. It was kind of a, a cool gadget that never gets introduced until he needs it. And I think, you know, at one point, uh, Brent, he does check the glove compartments when he first gets into Montenegro. And he checks the first one, and it's got the, the defibrillator there, and he mm-hmm. sees it and pushes it back in. And then the other one comes out, and he's, he finds his silenced Walther PPK. Right. But, yeah, really cool that it's got it in his glove compartment. I was watching that with Ethan, and he's like, he's like, that's pretty cool. He's got a gun in his glove compartment? I was like, yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah. And then a uh, 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 good good trick the act when he grabs the salt, and then he gets the gla- a glass of water and dumps that salt in there, and mm-hmm. then drinks it. That is that is a surefire way to induce vomiting. Oh yes, it is. Yes, <laughs> so, it is. So that was that was uh, medically accurate for him to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, by the way, Brent, the, the glass he grabs, uh, sixty pounds per glass. Wait. Yeah. What is what is the? I don't it, know. It's like it's like Waterford cut crystal. crystal. Yeah, yeah. It's like sixty pounds per glass. It's the Jeez. same glass. He actually, if if you remember from the when he gets in the fight in the stairwell and he goes up and drinks whiskey and cleans himself up, it's the same glass. That's the same exact glassware he uses there. Hmm. It's expensive glassware. Yeah. All right. Uh, my number two is is from one of the lesser known films. But uh, I think it's probably the only one that Timothy Dalton did well, and that's The Living Daylights. So it, it's also one of my favorite cars, the Aston Martin Vantage V8. Love it. But it's the keychain to that car. So the keychain has um, a lockpick built into, a, into the keychain that he can use to pick locks. But it's also got some stun gas that activates when he whistles the first ten notes to rule Britannia. (laughs) And then it's also got an explosive device that's triggered by what Q calls Bond's quintessential sound, which is a wolf whistle. Cat whistle, yeah, wolf whistle. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And he actually uses this to kill the the general of the, uh, I guess it was Columbia at the time or whatever, wherever they were taking over, the Colombian army, Brad Whitaker, who would later go on to play Jack Wade, CIA agent in uh-huh. GoldenEye. Yes. GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies, too. Uh, yeah, I really like this. It's a great gadget um, that he uses to uh, blow up the car. Mm-hmm. He uses to, uh, to, stun the, uh, uh, to stun the Soviet Army base uh, P-51 
people in Afghanistan and then uh, take out Brad Whitaker, take out the bad guy. It actually is the gadget that kills the bad guy. Because he hides behind a bus of Duke, the Duke of Wellington and then sticks it up there and then whistles and it explodes and the bus falls on him and sends aren't him they all, Aren't they all his face? I think they are. Aren't, aren't all those statues just his face? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, pretty cool, uh, pretty cool gadget. All right, number ones, Matt. Number one, well, I mean, we've already talked about it, actually. My number one is the attache case. Oh, from Russia with Love, yeah. Yeah, is the briefcase. That's, you know, it, it's, like I said, it, everything was used. It was, it, you know, it was all functional. Um, used, you know, like I said before, he uses the rifle, the infrared scope. He actually uses it twice when... You know the the first shoots the shoots the guy coming out of the mouth of the of the the billboard, and mm-hmm. and well Karambe uses it, and then uses it again when the helicopter is trying to run him down. You know, in just like uh, North by Northwest, that's probably taken a lot of a lot of uh, liberties with that Hitchcock film. Yeah, and then you know all the stuff on the train with. Uh, uh, Grant yeah. was that the what is his name Grant yeah played by Grant, Grant was Robert the original Shaw. name and Granitsky was his Russian name because mm. he was a Spectre agent or Smirsh agent Smirsh all right uh, Brant what's your number one um the cell phone remote control car okay this is also my number one tomorrow this really? is the coolest fucking gadget yeah I love this gadget. I mean, but even I, today, why? Would, I mean, twenty twenty. Why would you not want to have a car that you oh, can yeah. just control? I mean, you'd never. You'd have your own valet. Yeah. Everywhere. And, you, and look, you've never tried that. to play a video game on your phone, have you? <laughs> <laughs> That's hard as hell, man. But you know what? It's funny. This is what? What was this? Nineteen ninety-seven. And you look at today, and, and now all of a sudden we're getting things like this. You know, Hyundai's got their smart park thing where you touch the button on your phone and it parks your car. It, you, you can actually transfer the keys through your digital app to someone, and they can use your they can use their phone to borrow your car. That's pretty crazy. And then you can take it away. Yeah, this was the, the Ericsson JB988. Uh, it was <laughs> actually Ericsson an Ericsson phone. phone, yeah. Flip phone. <laughs> This was in such high demand that Ericsson actually made this phone the year later and sold a ton of product on this thing. But hmm. it, it's really cool. It's got it's got a fingerprint scanner, and Bond uses that to scan the pad and find the fingerprint, and then plop it up against the fingerprint and get in that lock. Uh, the remote control for the vehicle, the pair of electroshock prongs at the end that deliver twenty thousand volts of electricity. Uh, and then uh, it's got actually a lock pick in the antenna you know back when phones had antennas the <laughs> antenna would come out and you right. would, he would use it as a lock pick it was such a really cool gadget it was one of my favorites but the car too the car was what, a 7 series was that 750 IL yep. yeah BMW and it had like he could like didn't he hit and the, the one major scene in the parking garage the dude's about to shoot with the bazooka and he like inflates the car Mm-hmm. Tire back up and like speeds away. Yeah, and yeah. He, the, they they shoot all of his tires out and they reinflate, 
And yeah, then, and he, well, and even, he's like, even to get it, they're not, they couldn't get in the car. They're like using sledgehammers to try to break the glass. Couldn't do it. Yeah. And then, you know, he, like you see, with the remote, oh, he yeah. starts it. I, I actually think this car is probably the most kitted out car because um, when it was in lock mode, the car was fully bulletproof. Uh, when he tried to touch the door handle, it would actually shock you. Mm-hmm. And then he gets in the car, he actually activates it, he gets in the car, it's got spike traps, which he actually runs over his own spike traps and That's deflates his own was. tires. That's what it was. And then he reinflates him with his with his phone and the the look of the sheer giddiness <laughs> on his face. Well it's when he that, does it's that. that Pierce Brosnan kind of open mouth laugh smile. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Just the- it was it's great. Great great car, great. Well film. and then if you know, in the hood you've got the diamond the diamond tip saw Cutter. blades that, that yep. cut that cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got stinger missiles in the in the uh, roof panel. It's got machine guns. I mean, this car was kitted out. <laughs> and, it, and it didn't last long, but he, he did he did return it. Q, oh, yeah. He re- Q always he, wants him to return the, <laughs> to return the equipment. <laughs> he returned it right to the rental counter, too. So, yeah. All right. Um, great gadgets. And they're... they're Tons oh, that yeah. get left off. Uh, I really wanted to find a way to put the X-ray glasses from World Is Not Enough. Because so, that's just cool. Some of those are, you know, some of them you just you, just, you roll your eyes and you're like, oh really? Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Some of the gadgets are like, okay, come on. Like in uh, A View to a Kill, he wears these these sunglasses that like he like tints lower or something uh-huh. like that, and then. It sees through a window that's right there. I didn't get the point of it. Some are horrible. Some are really good. And then some are just sunglasses that Daniel Craig wears. He just wears expensive sunglasses. That's it. That's all they are. And expensive shoes. Yes, yes, he does. Uh, all right, so let's let's finish up this whiskey because i got a little bit left here as we've talked all about Q's gadgets. Um, Matt, what do you get on the finish of this thing? Um, I'm getting it, it doesn't it doesn't stay with you very long. To me, it doesn't. It's kind of it's kind of there, then it goes. It's um, man, I just it's, defi- I, it's definitely light. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it's you know you said before that that creaminess, buttery. But yeah, it it, it you know you can feel it. You know, we've 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 been talking for a while, and I haven't really had any anything to <clears throat> to drink while we're talking. But you can you can feel it going down. Yeah, I think I sobered up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then it's but then it's got that. It doesn't last long. No, it really doesn't. It's it's very it's, light. It's easy. To me, there's a little blast of spice right up front on the finish. Like once you swallow it, there's a good bit of spice um, and then uh, pipe tobacco and tanned leather not like fresh leather but like when leather is like raw and just off the tanner it definitely it's, it's has an okay it definitely has it's an the okay leather the, definitely has the leather um, I think it's more to me a little bit more medium than light because it does it does have a little bit of hang and I think it's this is where you get kind of some of the um, the wood, the those, yeah, the the um, charred of the oak, and not just so heavy of pure 
green wood um, to me. But I do definitely get a leather, leathery kind of taste to it. Not, not terrible. Yeah, there is definitely more of that like leathery note as I, as I do the hand rub thing that we like to do. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's an alright finish. All right, so Matt, you've never scored a whiskey, really. No. All right. So the way we kind of do it is it's, again, 0 to 100, kind of think of like a grade scale. So 80 is a B, you know, 90 is an A. Failing is definitely in the 60s. Okay. We, we consider D. If you get in the 60s, that's failing. You're going to summer school. Uh, we, we've never actually gone below. I don't think we've gone below like in the 50s yet. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, most most – Things fall in the eighty and ninety. I mean, most things fall in the eighty. Really, yeah. Right. It's something that is really, um, really good. You'd buy it again. It's going to be in the low nineties. I mean, well, in the uh, ninety, ninety-two. You get over ninety-two, it's like something you would seek out or always keep on the shelf. Like, I see. Uh, you know. Okay. And yeah. then you get in the mid, mid and upper nineties. It's just the it's best. It's like you, you cannot yeah. be without that. Like, Correct. that is your unicorn. You are always going to look for that. Right, yeah. I don't think we've scored higher than 90. I don't know if I've scored higher than 95, maybe 96. I don't even know. I don't even know okay. if I've scored. I don't even know if I've scored I don't know that, that I've come across anything. Like, 90, like 94, 94 is absolutely exceptional. I would say, you know. Most we, had a, we had a couple. I, I had a couple of high 90s. 97 is actually my highest. That's Glendronic 21. Um, and then Glendronic 15 was 96. I really did like that. Glendronic 21 is the Parliament? Yep, the Parliament. I think I, I had that. I that was like a 93 high. for you. Yeah, I think I had it pretty high too. But anyway, so for me, like I would say this is is slightly above average for your mm-hmm. average bourbon. Um, okay. And I think I would say this is an 86. Not something I'm running out to go buy again. Um doesn't get any bonus points for being rare, hard to find. Um, it's innovative, but not traditional. Yeah, and I like it. So, I, it's a, like I said, it's a, it's a upper, it's an average B, maybe a little higher average B yeah. for. No, it's it's like that definitely not hard to find. Even even with you know here where I am, I it's it's you know where I got it, it it's always there and and. Compared to other things that I look for that are never there, this one is all I always see it. Yeah, I, I, mean, I, mean, it, I like it to di- that it's different. It's pretty cool. So this is this is definitely one that I um, I like. I would call this for me an eighty-four. It, it's right up there with uh, Eagle Rare, uh, Knob Creek, Knob Creek Single Barrel, not the store picks that are you know fourteen, fifteen years old. This is a, the nine-year-old Knob Creek. It's it's a good bourbon. It's actually really good. Something I would probably have on my shelf now that I've had it to have a good change and have weeded whiskey once in a while. At a low price for weeded whiskey that you can find on a regular basis, by all means, go out and get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so Matt, with that information, what do you think? Um, 
Well, I mean, I'm going to be right in, the, right in the middle between the two of you. I'm going to go 85. You know, like like everything that Brant said, just, you know, it's it's not... It's not hard to find. It's it's a little bit on the. It could be more reasonable in price. I think it's a little bit high, for me. But that's just for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it I says on it's, average it's a thirty-three percent premium versus standard makers makers mark. So thirty-three percent premium. Um, but I mean, I think it does one up makers mark. If I went somewhere. And they literally had Makers and Makers 46. I'm grabbing this. Like, if that was oh, yeah, the I only mean, bourbon option oh, yes, they had, yeah. I'm grabbing having, this. Having the side-by-side, yeah. absolutely, I would take this over the regular Makers. Yeah. That that one is, you know, it's 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 nearly forgettable. Yeah. All right, well, look. Makers. I, well, good. I, I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to try this. Uh, it, it's changed my mind as to Makers. I've passed this, I can't tell you how many times. I'll definitely have a bottle of this on my shelf at home. Yeah. So, uh, guy, you know, guys, a lot of fun tonight. Hanging out, drinking some whiskey, talking James Bond. Matt, thanks for the whiskey. We always love having you down. And, um, you know, don't be a stranger. We'll have to have you down again sometime soon. Yeah, like I said, thanks for inviting me. Awesome. So, uh, coming up, we've got our April James Bond series. Uh, it is going to be awesome. It is going to be really cool. Uh, if you haven't picked up a bottle of McKellen M, by all means, do so. <laughs> Crack it open and send us some, please. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we got a chance to really, very fortunate to try this. Uh, we're going to be drinking that along with our Vesper. So th- on the flip side, go out and get some Gordon's gin. Go out and get some vodka. Get some Kinalele or bitters. It, you know, I can, I can tell you. I've said it before, my, my secret recipe is to add a dash of bitters to this. It gives it that traditional flavor that is absent in Kinalele right now. They they redid the uh, the recipe for Kinalele to make it a little more sweet. Bitters brings it that bitter aftertaste. Brant, Matt, you guys can remember when uh, Vesper tries it, she's like, because of the bitter aftertaste? Yeah. The bitters have to be in there. So, by all means, if you can't find... Um, if you can't find Kinalele, take some regular dry vermouth, put that in there, just a, just a splash, not a lot, and then dash in some bitters to go along with it. So, uh, get the stuff to make our make our Vesper with us next month as you as we uh, as we drink the last of the James Bond uh, quarter, the Macallan M, and the Vesper Martini. So, uh, guys, a lot of fun tonight. Long last the whiskey, long live the adventure. So, Brant, Matt, if you came here to learn, drink what you've learned. If you came here to share, share what you drink. If you came here a stranger, may you exit as a friend. And if you came here for an adventure, drink, drink up. up. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Have a good night.